We're back in business. Maybe I'll run for mayor myself. <laughs> Yesterday it seemed the world was about to end Didn't it? Looked as though it wouldn't last half a year Yesterday disaster waited around the bend Well, my friend, spring is here Back in business and ain't it grand Let the good times roll We're back in business! Here on the Movie Ladder podcast, talking about Dick Tracy. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined, as always, by... Av Sinensky. And Brendan Fitzpatrick. And, uh, yes, as uh, as I said, we are here on the Movie Ladder podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Last week, we discussed uh, Insomnia and by Christopher Nolan. And this week, due to an Al Pacino detective connection... We will be discussing the 1990 movie starring and directed by Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy. Then at the end of the episode, we will decide our next movie based on connections from you, our knowledgeable listeners, and us, your even more knowledgeable hosts. We will be spoiling Dick Tracy, although there's not a ton to spoil about it. Uh, so if you have not, well, actually, yeah, there is a, there is some to spoil about it. So if you've not <laughs> seen Dick Tracy in the 30 years that it has been out, uh, it is now Where streaming on that? HBO. You can pause this podcast. You can go watch it on HBO and get your Dick Tracy. Well, I shouldn't say get your Dick Tracy in, but I already started it. So you can get your Dick Tracy in, then come back and listen to this podcast. We will also put the timestamp of when we discuss the latter connections in the description of this podcast so you would know where exactly to jump forward to if you want to skip ahead. Although we always suggest you pause the podcast, go watch Dick Tracy, and come back and listen. So, uh, as always, you can submit your feedback, ratings, questions, comments to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter. We are also on Letterboxd, and you can email us, themovieladder at gmail.com. Guys, how's it going? Uh, Going well. Yeah, I had a couple false starts here, but we are uh, we're back in business, as they say in the movie. Yeah, ain't it grand? Yes. From um, the perspective of the listeners, it's just a regular episode, though. Yes, right, it's exactly. Fair. Yeah, let's. You guys should just roll. listeners out there should just know the uh, the pain we had to go through to I make think, uh, this podcast to you this week. I think Mercury is in retrograde. Is that a thing right now? I know. I know. I my know mom always tells means. me when. Oh, uh, it's like a. It's like a. <laughs> Astro- uh, astrological thing where something with the moon oh, is that and mercury like when, when mercury and venus line up and they're like make a smiley face or something oh it could be i don't know but i just know it makes communications all messed up for people and my mom's always <laughs> like oh yeah of course you couldn't get a hold of me Mer- mercury is in retrograde i'm like no it's probably like you just didn't answer <laughs> the phone but uh yeah sure sure can blame it on <laughs> So, uh, it sounds like one of those parent lies that parents tell their kids to like make them not ask any more questions about what they were doing and why they couldn't respond to them. Yeah, except she tells me it as an adult, so who knows. Same. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, thanks to Mercury and its retrogradiness, uh, we will be mixing up the order of the podcast tonight, uh, just for the sake of time. Potentially, we're going to jump right into our discussion of dick tracy then we will do our connections ladder and then at the end of the podcast we will do our normal top of the podcast banter where we talk about the best thing we watched this week so we'll see how this new format works might be fun all right so dick tracy let's get into that uh again as i said that is the 1990 movie 
directed by and starring Warren Beatty, also starring a whole cast of uh, great actors, legendary actors, including Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, James Caan makes an appearance. Uh, who else did you guys see in this? There I mean, are a course- lot of cameos. Uh, it's the same year as Paul Sorvino plays a gangster in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. And so to see him pop up here as the uh, big gangster was a really pleasant uh, cameo, as well as you had uh, William Of course, Forsyth. Madonna, yeah. Madonna, who I, who I skipped yeah, over. Madonna's right. fantastic. Madonna, Madonna Mandy was, Patinkin. Yes, yeah. Mandy Patinkin. Uh, who, Mandy okay, Patinkin, so my, who I, I did not recognize. I only knew it was him because I had read in the IMDb that he was in this. I forgot mm. I, or I didn't know he was in this. So Mandy Patinkin never looks the same to me in any, yeah. like, I, I first knew of Mandy Patinkin as Homeland Mandy Patinkin with like the giant right. beard. And then that was before I had even seen Princess Bride. And then I watched Princess Bride. I'm like, this is the same guy. It looks nothing like him. And then he's in this and looks even different. So mm-hmm. yeah. catch up on your yeah. criminal minds, girl. Is Catherine on- O'Hara is in this. Yep. Kathy, Kathy Bates. Dick uh, Van Dyke. Yes, Dick Van Dyke. That was that, good to see. Uh, and Glenn he- Headley, who we already right. saw in uh, Dirty, Dirty Rotten Scandals. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Charles Durning shows up as the police chief. He's a really well-known that guy from the 80s and 90s. Um, so I, who I really Char- uh, Yeah, the kid is played by Charlie Cosmo, who's probably yep. best known for playing uh, Robin Williams' son in Hook. Yep. Oh. Uh, well, apparently he's also in connections he's, later. He's Ron in Home Jack. John Home Jack. So, uh, yeah, so it's a, you know, this this movie came out in 1990. It is based on an old comic strip, which I I only knew this movie. I didn't know the comic strip at all Mm -hmm. about a detective who wears a bright yellow costume and he chases down all these really interesting looking gangsters. Um, And and, uh, you know, I think Av, you were the only one of the three of us who had never seen this before. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So let's go to you first. What are your overall takes on Dick Tracy? What do you think? It was a movie that I really appreciated certain elements. I mean, primarily just like the visual style, especially just like the color palette and the just like interesting characters that like we see, at least just like the way that they are presented to us. Just like everything visual and I would say musical about this movie is like really excellent. Like it's just like the world building and just like creating a time and a place and just like dropping you into it and it's like so unique and i assume in 1990 it was even more so but like even now like 30 years later like we haven't seen too many movies like this i mean it reminded me a lot of sin city although obviously that came much much later and one could imagine there couldn't be a sin city or a watchman which also it it gave me a similar vibe to watchman um it's just like there's been obviously like many many superhero movies but this is one of the only ones that i could say felt like more of like an actual comic book movie where like you just it really uses the visual style of a comic book and just like transmit even in the fighting like some of the fighting dick tracy does it's like straight comic book stuff where it's just like it's obvious he's not hitting the person but that's kind of the joke yeah and just like the the caricature appearances that they give to like the different criminals it's just like it's all just like feels very much like a comic strip and i was just like very refreshing it was just like it's this movie is not like taking itself too seriously it knows what it is and it's you know the that element of it i thought just like hit it out of the park um as far as just like the story itself i thought was just like kind of vanilla um i didn't love warren Beatty in the main role i thought like he just like didn't I, I don't know much about Dick Tracy, but like he just like didn't seem to like carry himself with that like 
the charm and like the you know electricity that I would expect like the lead character in this type of movie with all these like colorful villains to have. Like he's just kind of wrote to me. But, yeah, I think it reminded me a lot of Kevin Costner's role in as Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, where he's a little more wooden. Where he's facing down these much more colorful gangsters who are taking up the screen around him. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it sort of it sort of goes with that same mold, and I think that you know the fact that this character is based on um, Elliot Ness himself actually kind of lends to that. I think, you know, the sort of like generic vanilla detective who is sort of just the guy. Um, right. He's he's the straight guy. Yeah. You know, he's the straight this guy. Comedian, to all these. It, yeah, yeah. In, in the comic terms, he's the straight guy, and then you have all the all the comics. Uh, right. Or even if you think about like a, you know, he's the play by play guy, and mm. you've got the color commentators all around him because it is really the you know he is just kind of the like straight and narrow. I mean, he has he has some some interesting personality things, but yeah, he's he's I I don't really look at that as a flaw in the movie, but I can definitely see how you could come away and be like, well, okay, yeah, the, sure. Dick Tracy is the title character of this movie, and like he was just kind of vanilla he is i agree he is kind of the least interesting part of the movie i agree of uh the most interesting parts of this movie are the visual style the color and the um visualization of the gangster characters um especially al pacino and dustin hoffman's performances really sort of steal the show in the spotlight from uh lauren Beatty. i think yeah, I was looking to, you know, and I think probably a lot of what we'll talk about is the visual stuff with it, because that mm-hmm. is the most interesting thing. I, um, I I agree with you, Av, where I was a little underwhelmed by the story, which I, you know, haven't seen this movie in probably like eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I was just kind of like, okay, like I was just waiting for, I knew which big parts were coming up. I knew, you know, the big shootout and the mm-hmm. bomb or like the boiler that blows up and um, chasing the kid up you know, around the city by the train, like the, the exciting parts of this movie, I remembered, but just kind of the stuff in between where it's just like, like chess pieces on the board moving to set up like this climactic finish. I was just kind of like, even for an hour and 45 minute movie, which I really enjoyed, I did feel like it just kind of meandered in between the big set pieces. Um, but what visually I... it, it's, it's got those colors, which it does a really good job. It gives each, each character a solid color there's not like you don't see text in anything and when you do see text it's always like big block font that says chili or club or like it's like this it's the way that if you were looking at a comic panel you wouldn't see something with like small letters and details you would see big bold letters to to really stand out for you so you would know just glancing at the comic strip what you're looking at for sure um what i really liked uh even in those sort of downtime moments they were immediately followed by something that really um, ramped up the energy to get you back into the film, whether it was a uh, montage or a musical number or a montage with a musical number um, to sort of get you back in there and pr- pumped up for the action scene that usually came after it or the big um, comedic scenes like, uh, you know, like um, Al Pacino at the dinner table or the meeting table with all the other gangsters and you know something crazy is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That scene was very reminiscent of a lot of scenes we get a lot of times in crime movies. Um, and so that was one of the connections that I made to some of the movies we covered earlier. It really reminded me of um, similar scenes when we see the bad guys all gathered around the table talking about their evil plan. 
and that so I, I really appreciated that and it felt like a really solid connection to um other movies we talked about one of the things that i really love about this movie is the way that it sort of subverts your expectations while also creating um treading on the genre that it knows that it's parodying mm-hmm. so i it sort of subverts your expectations because like you expect um you expect Madonna's character, at least, to be sort of submissive to a degree, and instead she is a powerhouse mm-hmm. in this role. Um, as uh, Breathless Mahoney, she's she's the one that actually has the plan at the end of the day. That yeah, she quote, she's the she's the faceless, uh, deep throat type character. Yeah, and That's... she is she's the one that actually is the one getting the whole plot rolling. And ends up kind of being the bad guy at the end. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, did you know which, that d- you know you hadn't seen this movie before? Did you uh, did you predict that that Breathless that was going to be involved? Black Bad. Yeah, uh, I didn't predict just because it didn't even occur to me that like mm-hmm. Blank Man was somebody like that Could was be like a woman. It didn't occur to me that like that was like a twist. I thought just like. Blank, the, uh, is it Blank Man? What do they even call the person? I think it was Faceless. I thought it was man? Faceless, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Faceless. Oh. I think it's I just called the, Faceless, yeah. In the Wikipedia thing, I think they called him uh, the Blank. I mean, Blank Man is oh, definitely okay. something different if you want to connect to another yeah. Yes, no, I know that's a different movie. I know that. I was just using <laughs> that. I think they called it the Blank. But anyway, it, okay. like, it didn't even occur to me that there was like a closed canon solution to like the blank is really Got somebody it. else like i just thought like that's like the blank the blank thing is like they don't have a face just like the flat tops thing is that he doesn't have the top of his head like yes yeah, so you right, just look right. at it you're like oh that's just like another one of batman right that's just like a weird character who has like a yeah, weird yeah. thing to him like it didn't occur to me like that's that's secretly somebody else so like when that happened i was like oh okay well like, and, just... and that might be i'm not so familiar with the source material like the blank might have been a dick tracy villain or character in the comics and they just yeah. kind of did like which i feel like they do this in modern comic book movies where they're like they like retcon that yeah. like oh this character is actually like this person's brother or like and mm-hmm. I, I can't think of like a good example of that besides star wars the rise of skywalker but like mm-hmm. um, you know like that 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 does happen at times where where they they make they kind of combine two characters into one and, and make that connection that might not have been there in the source material. Like I know that like in Spider-Man Homecoming, Donald Glover plays a character oh, who yes. like who's like supposed to be Miles Morales's uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I'm the, I don't know like it, kind of, like, it just felt it like kind of just did that just to, just to like tie it in. But like it does it, it wasn't right. really relevant. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I pulled up the like Dick Tracy wiki and it it looks like that that was like an original thing that the movie did that wasn't necessarily oh, okay. the case yeah. in the comic strip. Although like with these comics, like you know, there's like a million different iterations where like right. the bad it was guy. A radio, is, yeah, it was yeah. a radio show, then it was a TV show, and then it was a comic book, and there okay. were like this this was like a really well known, well trod serial in the 30s and 40s that basically little little. Dick Tracy shorts would play before full-length movies uh-huh. until there was eventually a full-length Dick Tracy movie. I believe in like forty. If I did my I research, think. nineteen what forty six. That's the one I saw. When 45, I was like 46. 46. Yeah. So yeah, but he was popular for a solid ten, fifteen years before that in shorts and radio. So the comic was it a comic strip like in the newspaper? It was a comic It was a comic strip in the nineteen thirties. Yeah. What kind of story? What kind of Dick Tracy story could they have told? It's just like, oh, this 
everyone was doing this, like I guess it was like what they had at the end, right? Like this guy is robbing a bank. Batman had a comic strip in the Sunday Funnies for a time. Like it was just like one of those things. Like they had those Johnny Valiant or whatever it was, where he was on an island and he would have like a sword fight every strip, and it was just like a you know five six panel strip in the Sunday paper every Sunday, Mm. and that was the only time you would ever see it or read it. Like I remember that from growing up in the eighties. Because you would always get the Sunday comic section, and we would fight over who got to read the comics first. Yeah, and... we were never big into comic strips at my house growing up. Yeah, yeah same. Um, Although I, the only one I really read consistently was Calvin and Hobbes, and I never read that in a newspaper. I just like had all the books, which I don't even right. know where I got them from, and I still have them, and they're in my basement. And I'm hoping that one day my kids will get interested in them. But right now, they're just a thing that my wife says. Why do we have all these books that no one is reading? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is Calvin Calvin and Hobbes too beloved to become a uh, IP for a movie? You think? Um, no, I could see it. Yeah, there was a very good documentary about Bill Waterston a few years ago, oh, uh, but I could totally see Calvin like a uh, either an animated or a live action or whatever. You know, a combined. They'll a, do a, a, they'll do anything. Yeah, they'll be like uh, Calvin will be a kid, Hobbes will be animated. Right. Um, that that kind of brings me to a question I had about this movie. Do you think, like, I mean, it's been 30 years since Dick Tracy came out. And, I mean, obviously Dick Tracy came out when we had other superhero movies that were big. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman was uh, just getting before. off the ground right around this time. Do you, you know, are you surprised? And could you see uh, Dick Tracy's sequel, Dick Tracy remake, reboot, you know, Netflix series? Like, I just don't, I mean, I, I don't know that there's an audience for it. And I could be wrong. I just, I, I in yeah. my own life, don't know a single person that if there was a Dick Tracy remake, coming out next year that they would like be super pumped for it because they're like very into Dick Tracy. Um, I think, obviously, I could be wrong. There could be tons of people out there that fit that, but I just like I I've never experienced well. one. <laughs> um, part of the part of the thing with this movie and part of I think your your issue as well of if I if I may say so is I did have the feeling with as as far as the plot went with this movie that you're just sort of dropped into this world with no mm-hmm. sort of intro or origin to it you're just automatically supposed to know who these characters are and who Dick Tracy is. And it takes for granted that, you know, what time and place and characters you're dealing with. Right. But so that might've been the case in 1990. Like, it almost feels like a sequel to a movie that doesn't exist. See, but I don't think so because Wait. so it does, you know, it does drop you in in 1990, which I don't think was any different because it's still like 30, 40 years after Dick Tracy was popular. But what they do is I think they do a great job of acclimating you really quickly into this like weird world where it's like, hey, this is like supposed to look like a comic and, you know, it looks hand drawn. And like we're going to drop you into this warehouse where there's all these characters, you know, a character with a giant head and a tiny face and a guy who's all <laughs> wrinkly and like all these like very unique looking villains which is the whole movie and you're just like oh okay like yeah this is like a fantasy movie that's mm-hmm. like playing up like the cartooniness of it and you know the, the warehouse says warehouse in big block letters but doesn't say like you know like south chicago right you know shore I, warehouse it's, it's like it's it like it clearly is like you are in a cartoon and so i think and, immediately like at least for me i feel like i'm just like dropped right into this world i'm like okay i don't need to know anything because i'm introduced to all of this stuff right off the bat Right, and maybe this is my own um, biases with modern filmmaking, is I feel like if this movie was made now, we would have some sort of news crawl or narrator at the beginning, telling, you know, setting the scene for us, instead of putting it, putting us right into it, you know what I, I mean? Could, I could see another New way. New York City, 1935. 
that or that or I mean this this movie doesn't start with Dick Tracy. We don't see Dick Tracy right. himself for like ten minutes, and you know I, it, maybe another version of this movie is like young Dick Tracy going through the police academy, and you like see him like becoming a cop, and then we're introduced to the villains. And instead, I mean the villains are really the, the that's the that's the show here is the, the villains, villains the not, not Dick Tracy. So that we start with the villains, I think gets us into that world right off the bat and That's we fair. get we get the cement bath really early mm-hmm. you know we get introduced to big boy um the kid is right in that opening warehouse scene mm-hmm. too so um yeah i thought i, I think I don't, I don't know how did you feel did you feel like it was a rough rough transition in or were you just like okay cool i, I get what um yeah i was i was pretty much able to go with it like i obviously didn't know who anybody was um and i honestly like didn't become like too invested in who anyone was i was just more like kind of just like taking in they the kill so many of of it. Quickly, so. Yeah, and like it was, even though they they all like have their own like distinguishing personal like uh, like the way they look, like their own mm-hmm. characteristics. I just like didn't like spend a lot of time trying to keep track of like which bad guy was which, other than Al Pacino, yeah. to be honest. Um, so like it just like didn't really bother me, but um, you know, like I I think Brendan's point is fair. It just like didn't really impact my experience, which was just really more just trying to like. And become immersed into this world and just like being impressed with the visuals um and it didn't really expand much beyond that but it was like enough for me to enjoy the movie just kind of like spending a hundred minutes just kind of like seeing what this place looked like and getting to know it a little bit and that's that's a good point i I do really appreciate how short this movie is like because i do think it um doesn't play around too much with the time um, if it was any longer, I would have a problem with it. I think it, I think it moves perfectly at the pretty perfectly at the pace that it needs to be for as long as it is. Um, it could even, I mean, you could lose five minutes and that would be fine, but I don't know where you would really lose five minutes, but, um, I don't, but I'm also glad it's not longer. I think, I think the pacing of the film is really well done. Yeah. yeah. I feel like just the stuff with, between Breathless, you know, as the singer and mm-hmm. Dick Tracy. Like, I get what they're going for, that she's, like, seducing him, and it's oh, causing yes. problems with his relationship with Tess. But it just, like, I feel like there was a lot of that and a lot of, like, oh, Big Boy's setting a trap for Dick Tracy. Oh, no, actually, it's a trap that Dick Tracy said. I, I just felt like we had a couple times that it was repeated, um, some of those interactions. But, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think there's much you can cut. I was actually surprised it was as short as it is. Um, although... Yeah, it, I really I really love the scene in Dick Tracy's office, though, because that is straight out of 1930s, 1940s noir movies. Yes, like, that's and they the do a great job of making... And it's yeah, like, they do a great job yeah. of making a noir movie that is a it's, that is a cartoon, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, and that's why, like, Dick Tracy being just kind of like your wooden everyman, like, yeah, I'm not going to compare him to Humphrey Bogart, but it is, like, that type of, like... He's just like cool and calm, right? He's not gonna be—he's yeah. not gonna be the, the wild, outlandish person. You leave that to Al Pacino and let him go yell at everything. Right. I think if you wanted somebody who could play the straight-laced wooden Dick Tracy, but also give you a little charm, in 1990, you give this role to Harrison Ford. Yeah, it is. He has. I think Harrison Ford because, would be like give you a little bit more attitude than. Right. Than exactly, and I think that's what this was missing: is Dick Tracy doesn't have enough of an attitude or personality yeah but, he's just kind of his humor is kind of dry right uh, but um yeah i thought you know as, as we're we're talking through this too um you know we've talked about a lot of the villains i, I think just like 
spending some time with the Al Pacino performance because he so he was nominated for best supporting actor for this yeah. role. Um that I was punch. actually I was actually surprised. Well, uh Godfather 3 was also nominated that year for best picture, so uh, but did he yeah. did he get uh, a nomination for that, I assume? Uh no, he did not. So he was so so he so he was in two movies in 1990. One of them was a Godfather movie, and that was not the movie he was nominated for. Correct. Let me just double check. I I do not think that he was nominated for that. Andy Garcia was nominated for. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that he necessarily should have been. It just seems like that's the type of like Oscar that they just like always nominate. The irony is there. Yeah. Um. No, he was he was not nominated for godfather 3 andy garcia was nominated for godfather 3 right uh joe pesci won best supporting actor for goodfellas that year that makes sense yeah and um yeah that's a weird oscar so dances with wolves actually was the winner of best uh best picture that year right it cost Uh, him one best actor right yeah ghost or ghostbusters ghost was nominated for best picture uh right and Whoopi wins for best supporting actor awakenings which i believe brendan that was one of your yeah last week Robert De Niro uh, Robin Williams yep. yeah so um I was talking to my brother about the Oscars today and he says you know a lot of bad movies are nominated for for best picture and I said yeah but if you look at the <laughs> Oscars more as like a time capsule of the culture for that year right. instead of like a definitive list of the best movies of that year it it it's a little bit easier to to because there's a difference between the best movies and the most enjoyable movies yeah and also like you sometimes know? like you just like had to you had to be there like it's, right. it's it's easy to come 50 years later and say what the hell were they thinking think that this movie was better than that movie but like if you were alive then and you were part of the culture then maybe it made sense then but yeah i'm sure godfather 3 coming out was probably similar to like the dark knight rises coming out where I feel like when the Dark Knight Rises come came out, like most people liked it. I know people hate on it now, but I don't think there was a lot of like immediate backlash to the Dark Knight Rises. I did not like it, but, but I, I saw I you just watched it again. Yeah, I mean, that, it's definitely my least favorite of three. But I'm not, you know, this isn't a let's relitigate Batman podcast. Not this one, you know? or or is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Uh, so <laughs> another thing I was reading through is like some people's um, letterboxed reviews of it of Dick Tracy, yeah. and a lot of people said that. And I don't know if they were talking like with the knowledge of this, but they said basically like Batman 1989, Tim Burton's Batman came out the year before mm-hmm. with a Danny Elfman score. And then Touchstone was just like, yeah, we need our Batman. And so they basically like made yeah. this movie, um, which, you know, yeah. I guess if you look at this as like kind of being connected to Batman and like having that same style, I think this is just much brighter and much more fun than right. the 1989 Batman. I agree. And then they took a lot of the visual from this as well as the music of Danny Elfman and put it in Batman Returns. Right. Like they, uh, they took a lot of what worked about this movie and were like, oh, we will steal this and nabbed it for Batman Returns. Now, so, Dick Tracy isn't a DC property, correct? I don't is, believe so. I don't think so, no. Okay. I, think it's I believe he thing. was a timely comic, sir, and then, okay. yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just thought I I don't know if this is exactly a reaction to Batman because it's not like they could have made this movie in the time mm. since like Batman comes nah, out yeah. and it's a smash no, and they're like this, they, they would have already This is been... something Warren Beatty was trying to get made for like Yes. One... Correct. He he this was like his pet project. Yeah, he because came up Warren with it in Beatty 1975. Those, yeah, Warren Beatty is one of those guys that only makes a movie every 10 years or so and it's like a movie he's been working on for like 20 before that. <laughs> So, I'm surprised to learn that Warren Beatty is 83 years old. Yeah, because he does not look that old in this movie. And yeah, this movie was 30 years ago. But yeah, I mean, he I was he was 51. I think and, when this movie. Uh, Glenn Hattie must have been like, what, like 20? 
Like she was pretty young in this, I would. Yeah, assume. I mean, well, like when you think about it, yeah. he was how old was he? Must have been he must have been at least in his twenties in Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, right. that came out in 1967, so yeah. he means he was born in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. he did age which is, very well, which means he grew up with Dick Tracy. So yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, he's uh, he's a very good looking man. Yeah, he is. All right, so uh, he's, you know, uh, what else? he's not he's not so, great at reading uh, a cue card, but <laughs> oh right, yes. oh, I'm sorry, guys. Spencer Tracy, Spencer Tracy is who we're supposed to be doing a podcast on. <laughs> Dick Tracy, sorry, you lose. Um, could they do? I was thinking, could they do Dick Tracy Jr. and have the kid grown Absolutely. up now? We're thir- we're thirty years later, so he'd be like forty ish, and he could mm-hmm. be, you know, thirty years thirty years after the original Dick Tracy, we're returning to the scene. They could do that, but it would just be the same movie. Like, you just have him then right. become Dick Tracy, right? Like, what else right. would you do? So, like, and he would just... just have a new cast of, like, crazy. Yeah, which crazy, right. He would just be Dick Tracy now. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it would really matter necessarily. But, you know, yeah, you could do that as, like, a, just like a hook. Um, hook, because he was in Hook, that the Dick Tracy. Uh, oh, yes. Bazinga. Um, so I, uh, I know Brennan and I both watched the first Captain America in the last week or two. I've um, never seen it. Oh, oh, really? So, let's fantastic. You mean no. the one from 1990? No, I mean the one from 2010. Oh, okay. So then, yes, I've seen that one. I thought yeah, you were, there, there was a Captain America from the same year. Yes. yes. Uh, no, not that. I, I would not choose to watch When you movie. said the first Captain America, I thought you meant the first. No, no I mean the first no. MCU Captain America. Got it. Yes, I've seen uh, that several times. And I do feel like this this movie and that Captain America are very similar, right? Like they're like roughly like the same time period and they're they're like period piece superhero movies. And that I also feel like when you're watching Captain America, especially for the MCU movies, you really feel like you're Mm -hmm. looking at a comic book more than most of the other MCU movies outside of uh, that one big splash in Avengers Endgame. And so, you know, I think like if you wanted to see what an updated version of Dick Tracy could look like, I think that is like a good barometer for like what an, an Dick yeah, Tracy. Cap Cap does a really great job of just like this movie does, putting you in a specific time and place, whether it's 1940s New York or 1945 um, Germany. You know, I mean, it's, it does a great job of doing it, but also like reminding you that you're in a comic book movie. Yeah, so like I, I think of like when Captain America is like touring around doing the patriotic, uh, yeah. you know, the rallies and things like that, and he like he's like doing like the fake punches and and it, like he he punches Hitler, and yeah. it's like exactly like that that very famous comic book he's cover. He's punched out Hitler over two thousand yeah. times. So it reminds <laughs> me of it, it reminds me a lot of of uh, this movie. Yeah, Zach, do you remember how you first saw this movie? So my first experience with Dick Tracy, uh, and I might have brought this up on the podcast last year, last week, was so my cousin, who is, uh, I mean, he was 13 in 1990 mm-hmm. or 1991, uh, so you can kind of do the math on that. His bar mitzvah theme was Dick Tracy. Oh, wow. And so, like, they had all these Dick Tracy, uh, like, cardboard cutouts and posters, and it's like, I don't even really remember what else they had besides that there was Dick Tracy stuff and I won a dance contest. Um and, you know, I was, what, six years old, seven years old? So um, I would imagine that they probably did, like, the dancing and stuff. They did it similar to the club in Dick Tracy. That's probably, if I was if I was planning a Dick Tracy bar mitzvah, that's what I would do. Right. So, um, but, yeah, the first time I saw it, I mean, I, I was probably young. I probably didn't understand, like, all the homages and what they were doing. I was just like, oh, that's, like, bright and colorful and walnuts and prune face, you know, flat yeah. top. So I was 10 years old when this movie came out. Uh, That'll tell you what year I was born and how old I am now. Um, And this, uh, I saw this. first came out. Yep, there you go. 
So I uh, I was so I went and saw this with my younger brother. We were taken to the movie theaters by a babysitter and put in this theater, and we were like the only ones in the entire screening for this movie. While she and her boyfriend went to see Mo Better Blues, the next screen over. And Connor and I, my younger brother, were the only ones in here, in there. And we just ran around the whole time, like, pretending to be Dick Tracy chasing villains through the entire it's movie. It's a good thing you were the only ones in the theater. No, least. yeah, we wouldn't have done that if we weren't the only ones in there. But, like, we we had a really good time, and we still uh, talked about it to this day. And that's my uh, Dick Tracy origin story. But it's one of my most memorable um, movies that I can remember going to see when I was very young. Um, I probably shouldn't have seen it when I was 10 and he probably shouldn't have seen it when he was six, but it's, you know, it's not as, I guess it's not as violent as a lot of movies around that time and probably not as dark as Batman was for a kid my age, but right. um, it did, I remember really loving it and um, playing Dick Tracy with my brother for weeks on end afterwards. So it does a great job with some of the kind of iconic um, items of the you know it's, it doesn't set a time period but you're assuming like the 40s right um and you know with the cars and the tommy guns and the setting it's just like it does a really good job playing with that time period um, yeah for sure like i i assumed it was the roaring 20s because of flappers and yeah i wasn't the sure if and it was stuff the 20s like or the 40s because gambling it's, it's, it's is illegal and, yeah okay oh, so, so we're in between the difference. split yeah. the difference for, um, yeah I mean, it's the uh, on Wikipedia. It's the first line says it's set in the 1930s, but uh, I don't know if that's 1930 or 1939. It's probably closer to right. 1930. Right. Yeah, because like it's right. It definitely has a feel of like the Capone, like Prohibition era, like with exactly. the illegal gambling and like all yeah, that you're, sort of you're, stuff. You're, you're yeah, it's definitely based on that stuff. I would yeah. think. And uh, I mean, yeah. I feel like I we're mean, supposed to be in Chicago in this movie too. Like you know, a lot of times Gotham City is supposed to be New York. Like I think this is probably supposed to be Chicago. I, yeah, think I, mean, it's, I'll, I'll, I think it's not set in the Dick Tracy universe where it is, like, because it's like it's supposed to be in like some sort of like Midwest city, but like I would guess that Chicago is probably the main influence. Yeah, but, and it's I mean, Big Boy's full name is Alphonse Big Boy Caprici, yeah. so I mean that's like as close to Al Alphonse Capone as you can yeah. get, you know, yeah, <laughs> without completely sure. uh, without completely ripping it off. So there you go. Yeah. And it's actually uh, funny that this came out shortly after Untouchables and in the same year as Goodfellas. I mean, this was a big era for the gangster pick, you know, in just the three, four years around when this movie came out. Well, it's like if you're going to go to if you're going to go to Goodfellas, but you want to bring your kids to it, go see Dick Tracy instead. Right. Get a little bit for everybody. Right. Uh, I do think it's got like one of the best posters as well. It's just that yeah, black, very good. The black yeah. poster with the yellow outline of Dick Tracy. I, yeah. I, it's I, very, I click it's on the very minimalist. Button, so it's very good. Yeah, it's, it's great. Sure. Holds up. That that holds up like more than anything, I think. Well, I mean, like this movie still holds up, but um yeah, I definitely think the movie does hold up. I mean, that's that that would I think was the most pleasantly surprising thing because I probably hadn't revisited this movie in ten or fifteen years, and it sort of took me back to a time and place, and you know, gave me that like easy. You know, it it's not a joyful movie, but it's a fun movie. You know, it's not like giving you whimsy, but it's still like giving you that nostalgia 
Yeah, it's, it, a, it's a yeah. fun movie to, to watch. And I do think, like, what helps it, too, is the campiness can just be chalked mm. up to, like, well, you're in a, you know, you're supposed to be in a comic strip. Like, right. so when he punches him and he clearly doesn't hit him, it's you're not like, oh, that's so unrealistic. You're like, well, they're, you know, it's setting the mood. Or, you know, like, the, the montage is it just kind of, like, yada yada through right. parts of the story. It's like, well, this is, you know, supposed to be, like, a comic. Um, and they also accomplish that, too, by, you know, the backgrounds look, you know, they they don't look like backgrounds would look in movies today, but they're, they look like they're hand-drawn. They're, they're, they're hand-drawn backgrounds, especially, like, even at the end when they're pulling out and they're driving towards the bank. and But all you really see is, like, the comic book cell frame with their voices over it saying, mm-hmm. let's go. You know, right, you, you could like, totally you yeah. could totally see, like, big, like, speech bubbles, you know, showing yeah. up. The, and actually, I do remember version of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe it was only the first half of this movie because I think the comic book ended with the boiler explosion. Um, okay. And I think I got it from like a Pizza Hut special or something. You know, it was that one of those sense. like, yeah. yeah. So I, I almost remember this movie more of like reading the comic novelization of it than seeing the movie itself. Yeah, that makes sense. There, there's definitely movie tie, or there were definitely huge merchandising tie ins behind this movie between um, fast food stuff and the watch. The watch was a yes, really the big watch. seller. We haven't even talked about yeah. that yet. What did you the, think of the, the watch? The talking though? watch was huge. Yeah. Are you a are, are you an Apple Watch guy? Do you have an Apple Watch? No, although I'm I'm basically considering getting it for only one reason, which is that when I jog, it's very annoying to like carry my phone because it's like I either have to put it into my pocket and then it like moves around in there and it's just like it's like my mm-hmm. it, like weighs down my shorts. Right. Or, like, you have to hold it in your hand, and, like, that's annoying, and I'm just like, this is stupid, but, like, am I going to spend $300 on an Apple Watch just for, like, this inconvenient? You could buy uh, an armband. I have some good armband recommendations that fit every phone. Yeah, all phone right. Plus. Yeah. It's a little uh, cheaper than a, than a Dick Tracy watch is all I'm saying. Yeah, I would think so. But, yeah, I'm, yeah all right. Maybe you'll, uh, you'll share those with me offline, because I'm, I'm looking for a solution for that. Uh, but the watch, I think, is, is very cool, especially now that, like, you know, the idea of a smartwatch was not a thing back, you know, when the comics came out, but like when right. the movie came out also. And that that's like Dick Tracy's main tool is just like as a kid, I remember thinking that was really cool. And I wanted one. I probably had like the yeah, toy version of that it's watch. It's really funny because it seems to only go to him like it's a it's his personal radio broadcast watch. So like it, it only gets fired up when they're calling him. Right. It's like headquarters to Dick Tracy. And even when he gets a call on the watch, like you can see like what the comic version of that would be, and it would be a, a yeah. picture of a watch with like lightning bolts coming out yep, of it. Exactly. So. Yep. It's yeah. And the costume is also really iconic. Like, I mean, they the yellow trench coat and the yellow hat is a huge thing. So bright, yeah. especially with how dark, like the you know when he's out at night and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like that his yellow and then like his partners wear green and red, and you yeah. know each character really is like assigned a specific color, and somehow they don't really repeat. Um, a look for anybody so yeah i appreciated that there are a couple of the henchmen that sort of blend in together towards the end to i'm not really sure which one's which sometimes like so there was but... one scene that i was really confused by mm-hmm. uh, and i mean i've seen this movie before i'm taking notes on this movie so big boy goes to a cemetery and he meets with somebody yeah and it's like a guy with glasses and i don't know if that was like an attorney because then the guys the, like, that's the da that Warren Beatty that uh, Dick Tracy gets accused of bribing later and killing. Right. So that was Dick Van Dyke's character. Yeah. Okay. But like, it just didn't feel like that fit in with the rest of the movie at all. Like that, like in terms of the plot, like I don't really understand. I guess it was just to get, to get big boy out of prison, but like we never found out. And it's to establish that character. It's to establish that guy as being shady. 
Yeah, I guess so. it just doesn't really pay off because it's like, oh, that guy's dirty, and then like, you know, Dick then he gets killed. Yeah, by Breathless, which I guess is like right. makes her, you know, is she is she like the straight up villain? It makes because right. it's look. to show you that like that's where she puts the plan together because she's in the background listening to this conversation and the camera pans uh, to her, and so yeah. It, it's that's to indicate that like that's where she starts to put the plan together. I guess it does give a little bit more because I always looked at Breathless as just like a straight up villain. And I guess it does give a little bit of ambiguity of like, yeah, she's a little bit more of the gray area where like Dick Tracy is clearly. Yeah, I mean, like working against both of them. Yeah, I think she's definitely trying to, at the end of the day, just get revenge on Big Boy for killing Lips Manley and taking over the club and then having the audacity to slap her multiple times <laughs> You know, it's just sort of a, it's a good revenge plot for her. And I'm like, that's that, true. You know, yeah. No, yeah. oh, that's good. That, that that makes more sense now. I, I, yeah. uh, I'm, okay, I accept that. It, so gives the more, part, it gives her more agency, basically. There you go. You know, the other part that I didn't really understand. So mm-hmm. when Dick Tracy goes to the warehouse, right, it's like they, it's after the, the coffee spills through the ceiling and Big Boy realized that they've like bugged his office. Right. So then they, they trap Dick Tracy by getting him to go to the, that are trapped for them where he puts his jacket behind the boxes in the warehouse to make them think that that he's behind there and he they like shoot the wrong way but the editing in that scene is like so weird i don't know if you guys noticed this too i rewound it like three times and the editing makes no sense like i think they they stitch two scenes together so did you guys notice this at all no i right. didn't i didn't but then may have so, been around the time where i wasn't fully paying attention to the movie so <laughs> All right, so like he goes to the warehouse, he sets up his his hat and jacket so that the henchmen right. turn around and they shoot the wrong direction. And then what he does is he runs over to the bath, the cement bath, and he rescues the guy who's back there is his is the cop who knocked over the coffee who was oh, right, above right. the office. But then so he goes and he like untwists him, and then they cut back and Dick Tracy is completely covered in cement and his gun doesn't work. But it's like. It, and then the other cop is, like, nowhere to be seen. So I feel like that scene, like, if you watch it, I think there was a scene in this movie where Dick Tracy actually gets put in the bath and gets out. And I think they just, like, cut the beginning half of that and the end half of that and just, like, cut it down. Because it really, like, did not make any sense to me at all. So. And then he's saved by, uh, saved by, by the, the blank comes and, and saves mm. Dick Tracy because he's he's covered in cement and he can't shoot his gun and then the the blank comes and saves him so it just like that whole thing just made like no sense to me at all so just a small thing yeah that's that's a scene I might have to go back and watch it didn't it didn't bother me in the moment but maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention yeah I think um, I was just like really like I don't know I I had never noticed it before but it and then, of course, uh, you know, I think the only other thing is, like, I'd love to talk just about, like, the two big action scenes. So we have the, yeah. the boiler room explosion, um, which I just feel like is, like, you know, talk about, like, a scene right out of a comic book. It's, like, so yeah. bright and yellow. It's, like, one of the few scenes yeah, during the really day great. in this movie. And yeah. I love I love the recurring use of the baseball as a prop. Just, mm-hmm. like, it, they, you're set up with the baseball early on. And then eventually, and then it gets used, you know, in that scene to help free Dick Tracy. And I thought that was a really good payoff just for that. Um, and then uh, the big shootout. Ah, what did you think of the big shootout at the end? Any any thoughts on that? 
Um, I mean, it was just like a, it was a well choreographed action scene. It was a good action scene, and you know what what this movie does very well is just like lean in to what it was, like what what it is. Like it's not trying to be something it's not. Like it it just totally embraces its like comic strip feel in in all of those scenes and that's what makes the movie work yeah like they had yeah. like unlimited bullets in that scene and nobody's yeah. hitting anybody it's just a ton of gun shooting and then like yeah. cars exploding but it did it also um something i thought while i was watching it's like i don't know if you guys have been to, like universal studios or any of like the movie studios mm-hmm. but it just feels like one of those hollywood backlots like every there scene was a dick like tracy that. land if i recall there was a dick tracy backlot like adventure thing that you could do at some point in at universal Oh, I, I feel like I that. feel like that's something that I remember. I don't think I ever went to it, but I feel like that's that's triggering a memory that maybe that existed where you yeah. Could. It just feels very like backlotty. So yeah, for sure. Um, I I will say that the very end of the movie in the clock tower had huge uh huge connections to all the Batman that we were talking about earlier. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the end scene with the Joker in the Bell Tower in the uh, 1989 Tim Burton Batman. And then the ending also reminded me a lot of the end of The Dark Knight. With oh, which Joker, part? With the Joker and... Um, Where he's, like, hanging? Yeah, with the Joker and um, Two-Face and everything. Yeah. That was all really good. Um, so that's... That it, I thought that this... Uh, the way those were shot, not whether it was intentional or not, was pretty heavy nods to Batman. Yeah, I'd be curious if this movie inspired any of the modern uh, comic book movie makers. Mm. Like, I'd love to hear somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I made Guardians of the Galaxy. And I like I was inspired by like the color palette in Dick Tracy or something. Mm. I haven't heard that. So yeah, I think one last big thing that we haven't really talked about yet is the Dustin Hoffman's per- oh, Dustin yes. Hoffman performance yes. as Mumbles. I mean, you get very little mumbles, but everything he does is just fantastic. It's so it's such and, a good performance. I remember when I first saw this movie, like I think I saw this in college after I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And I was so impressed by Dustin Hoffman and what he did. Yeah. What did you think of the Hoff? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think he was he was really a bright spot in this movie. And it's like it's actually like very interesting that they got like so many big names for this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, Warren Beatty, Jim uh, Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, like these are major names for this type of movie. It's like obviously now we're like very accustomed to like superhero movies or just like silly movies getting such high profile actors. But like in the 90s, that like, wasn't usually the case. And it's pretty cool that they got that for this movie. Right. You look at a movie that came out a few years after this in The Rocketeer, and that got like no mm-hmm. big name. You know, that's I think that's the same production company as this. It's like a similar like period piece comic type movie. And it didn't get any of these big name actors. Yeah. And I mean, you, you I assume the fact that Warren Beatty was like was I assume the fact that Warren Beatty was like the motivating force behind this made a, a big difference in Hollywood and like. We, mm-hmm. He was able to get pe- more people involved, but mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's it's really cool that there's just like so many big people in this, even just like in like very minor characters. It's just like yeah, not and I, common back then. I think part of it also probably is most of the big name actors he got are around the same age as he is, so they probably also grew up with Dick Tracy, and they were like, "Oh, you're doing a Dick Tracy? Yeah, sure, I'll play blah blah blah. I'll do this." Yeah, because we even get like Al Pacino and James Caan reun like with the Corleone boys like reunited. Right. Um, I mean, you get James Caan to show up for five minutes to just get blown up, and that's that's like insane. Like, yeah. 
James Caan uh, doesn't just show up to do a five mi- five minutes in a movie. Sometimes yeah. he does. <laughs> that uh, that um, first interrogation of Mumbles though, where he's got him under the heat mm. lamp and he's like baiting him with the water, like that that yeah. really like I, that was like when I was watching this movie and I was just like, yes, I'm so excited that I'm watching this movie. Like even nice. with the, like the, some of the story and like editing issues that I had with it, like it it just makes up for it in a lot of ways mm. and it just like it allows itself to shortcut some of those flaws as well that's honestly the best scene in the movie for me um is that first interrogation scene i mean and he's just like the sweat is coming down and he's crying and he's whimpering and he's mumbling and it's like it's just perfect it's so well done it's it's a master class it's great so um all right well what do we got for uh feedback from other people and then we'll get into ratings and connections why don't, why don't you hit us with the feedback? My connection's getting a little wonky again. So. All right, let me load up the feedback. Um, while we're while we're talking about it, um, did you guys think that uh, that Breathless's when she is the blank that her voice sounded a lot like Princess Leia does in Return of the Jedi when she's the bounty hunter? Oh yeah, it was the same voice effect. Yeah, the same voice modulator. It was great. I loved it. Like, it, it might have been literally the same effect because it yeah. sounded, she sounded identical to her. To the point that I almost made Return of the Jedi one of my picks just because yeah. of that. Funny. Yeah. Um, and I did write down some other connections too. I mean, obviously, like, we have Al Pacino, we mm-hmm. have a, a detective investigating crimes and, and a murder. Um, I, also, I also noted a couple other things to connect with last week. I don't know if you guys. He also that. tries to get framed. He also gets framed for something he didn't do. Yeah, and tries to get out of it, um, and then something he did do. Yes, but yeah, uh, and uh, we we have him finding sm- or somebody finding small evidence on the ground. He finds the mm-hmm. breathless's earring, and they found the the gun shell. Um, yeah, and then the the quote unquote villain in the movie escapes underground. So uh, Robin Williams's character in Insomnia, not okay. really underground, but he goes under the you know he goes under the the building where the they're shed, left to, yeah the shed, and then. Um, you know, we have we have Big Boy escaping under into the wine tunnels. So, mm. and just the fog in general kind of matched up with the fog from the last movie. Yeah. It also, it ties in a little bit to uh, Magic Mike and XL and the Fulmonte. How was that? Movies about Dick. Oh, <laughs> yes, very true. Boom. Yeah. Oh, nice man. one. <laughs> um, all right. And yeah, Dick um, is a fun word. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the gangster movie um, connection that I talked about earlier is pretty relevant with, um, you know, the the henchmen all sitting around the table plotting their plot with, you know, Reservoir Dogs and um, and uh, Taking off. Huh? Yeah. I just set it off as well. Set it off does the does the table scene. Yeah, I actually wrote that down as so, diner scenes as well. So we have diner scenes in. Yeah, there's great diner scenes. Yeah, and obviously just like the noir themes throughout, we've seen, the last few movies have kind of followed that. Um, my my uh, three year old has started watching this cartoon on Netflix called Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, and yeah. I just love that like she's like knows the word noir and she's three years that old. I'm like fantastic. I'm like what's that? I'm like what's that character's name? She's like Cat Noir. <laughs> oh, nice. Man. Get her get her learning French early. Right. So. Yeah. Speaking uh, of uh, diner scenes, what do you guys think is better at Mike's Diner, the uh, chili or the steak? Well, I heard the chili tastes like rubber. So. Yeah, so maybe I'm, not the... huge, I'm not a huge chili person. So. Yeah, oh, but right. do you really want to order a steak in a diner? You don't want to order a steak in a diner, that's true. Wasn't there a sandwich? Was somebody eating a sandwich at one point? Um, I think that's what I would go with. The kid had a roll, but I don't know. The kid, I, I loved all the stuff with the kid eating all the time. That was. Oh, cool. yeah. 
I mean, he's just uh, got it all over his face the entire time. Yeah, the kid, the kid is great. I, uh, one, one other connection, too, is, uh, and this will come up later, is uh, this was a director-actor combo. So mm. Warren Beatty was both in the movie and directed it. Uh, and we did have that one other time, I think, so far as in the movie ladder. Can you guys remember which movie that was? No. It was not the star of the movie, he, but he was in it. Um, that was Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Harold Raymond or Harold, Harold Raymond. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Harold Raymond is somebody different. So, uh, uh, also, speaking of Warren Beatty, uh, shouts to Empire Records, who that also features a character named Warren Beatty. Oh, really? Pretty, yeah. But we didn't watch Empire Records. No, I was just saying. Oh. I was just giving a giving a connection to a, to another movie that I'm not gonna <laughs> bring up in my connections. Fair. All right. Yeah, uh, so, well, with with that, let's go to our feedback uh, that we have. So, um, yeah, Jeff wrote in, and he watched Dick Tracy. He said he pretty sure he saw in the theater, uh, and he was a fan of old comics, so this was a good movie. If you uh, never had any clue or didn't like old comic book characters, then the movie was very likely weird. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, like... I guess if you didn't know this was a comic, but you're, like, dropped in so quickly to, like... Like, it's so clearly like not reality right uh, and uh he said overall i liked it and i thought it was a fun rewatch gives it three stars nice right down the middle uh olin allen he said uh, he didn't get around to watching the film again but he wanted to point out the similarities between pacino's big boy caprice and al capone that is his main connection in uh foreshadowing for his choices in the next segment i don't know if he gave a rating for this he did not give a rating this week so uh and I already saw Jim Crumley's rating on Letterboxd. I was not happy about it. Uh, he said he is giving Dick Tracy a 2.5. It is visually stunning, but felt very hollow. Uh, part of the problem may be that he's not a fan of Warren Beatty. So Jim Crumley is in the Av camp, but he doesn't like Warren uh, Beatty. Ah, fair enough. Oh, I didn't say I don't love Warren Beatty in general. But <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't think he was great in this. I don't think I've really watched much movies with Warren Beatty. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. One of my, one of my uh, suggestions is going to be a Warren Beatty. Um, the, I think the only other Warren Beatty movie I've seen is Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, see, I've never seen that. I've seen Young Young Bonnie and Teenage Clyde, uh, which came out when I was... I, I just remember that was like a two-for-one video store movie a lot for me. Oh, and I, I saw Heaven Can Wait for the uh, our football episode of the, uh, the There Will Be Pod uh, sports bracket, and it was pretty bad. I can't remember if I've seen that one, but I've seen the remake with Chris Rock. Mm. Uh, I did not see that one. Yeah, I don't remember what it's even called. It might have just been called Heaven. So, uh, all right. And uh, so that's our questions that we got in. Yeah. That's our ratings that we got in. Let's go to our uh, our ratings. I will lead things off because I'm listed first on this doc. Um, yeah, I, I thought Dick Tracy is like super enjoyable. I think I give it a lot of uh, slack for some of the faults that it has. And uh, not perfect. It's got some issues. But um, overall, I, I liked it quite a bit. I am going to give it a 4. Probably a 4.25, but like more like 4.22. So round down cool. to 4. Yeah, um, I will give it just kind of like right middle of the road. I'll give it a 3.0. Um, I, I'm kind of, I would almost say the, the same words as Jim Crumley said, other than the I don't like Warren Beatty in general part in that the movie <laughs> is visually stunning. Um, it just like creates a world that is like pretty much unlike any other movie I've seen before. And just like really, immer really immerses you in it. And just like, even if, even though the story I think is like pretty weak and like the characterization of most of the characters is pretty weak, um, the 
like the the visuals and just like the setting and the music and all of that just like do all the heavy lifting and like make this mm-hmm. worth watching even though it's a it's a pretty weak screenplay um and it, you know with with a good screenplay and you know it could this could have been a great really great movie to watch um because of just like how unique and cool the just like the imagery is so yeah, yeah three 3.0 for me great i, I agree with of to a degree um but the things i love about it i love so much about it that i'm willing to forgive some of its flaws um the i mean the musical numbers all slap I mean, back in business is, you know, we, we played it at the end of the last pod um, and it, it just holds up so well as a montage, as a song. Um, all of the characters are distinct uh, as far as the villains go. I mean, I'll never I'll never forget how terrified as a kid I was of Flat Top. Um, he's just a terrifying looking dude. Uh, you know, everybody's giving they're all in this for better and for worse. Um, I'm going to go with a four as well with Zach, and that's going to average us out to it's a 3.5 overall. Yeah, so. three, because the listeners gave it a three. Yep. Um, I do think it would be fun. You know, people love to rank things and do brackets. Like, there are some great movie composers and TV composers. Like, oh, yeah. Danny Elfman has yes. done some really, really great scores of movies. So, oh, yeah. Did Danny know, he's up Elfman's there. going to come up later for me. All right. Uh, with that, let's get into our connections for the latter. And I am going to start us off with uh, Jeff's connections. So he says, uh, unfortunately, he is officially retiring Young Frankenstein. Oh, man, we were going to pick it this week. <laughs> it is unfortunate because there's a scene where Dick Tracy takes the kids suit shopping, just like Frankenstein does to the monster in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> what are you doing to us, Jeff? Come uh, on. Right. Sorry, man, sorry right Jeff. There. This is going to be your week, but what do you want to do? Oh, this is going to be your week. Oh, yeah. Jeff. Maybe he'll bring Young Frankenstein back. Maybe it'll be like a Jordan, like a Michael Jordan retirement. Young Frankenstein <laughs> will come back and play for the Wizards. Yeah, my fa- my favorite thing about this podcast is that we have like three listeners, and one of them suggests the same movie every week, and we refuse to do it. I think we have more than three <laughs> listeners. You just have three who email us regularly. <laughs> have you been gambling on the movie ladder, Jeff? Is that what we're suspending yeah. you? We definitely yeah, want exactly. there to be more listeners than hosts. If it ever gets to the point sure. where there's fewer listeners than hosts, I think the podcast yeah, will Yeah, we're going to have a problem. Unless the podcast uh, website is lying to me, we do have more listeners than we have hosts. So I, believe, I believe it. I believe we, it. Have, we have tens of tens more. Yes, we have <laughs> tens Dozens of us. Dozens. We just got to get that one movie, and that's going to hook everybody. Uh, speaking of hooking everybody, I did not even mean to do that. So Jeff's suggestion yeah. is hook. Oh, okay. He, uh, nice. Was that uh, suggested last week also? Or no? I don't think Hook was suggested last no. week. All right, because Robin Williams. It's so that would it's yeah, yeah. So it's it was a possibility. Oh, it was suggested. It make... Got it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Hook. I'll write that down. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so it's based on an old classic like Dick Tracy mm-hmm. uh, and it has Robin Williams, so it connects back to some. And uh, also, yeah, Charlie Corsmo's character is yeah. looking for a role model. So, all right. Run home, Jack. Run home, Jack. All right. Uh, he also suggests a bridge too far because of James Caan. All right. Love James Caan. are weak, and an actor who was in this movie for five minutes that might be uh, even weak. And he suggests a League of Their Own, which I think he suggested once before because of Madonna and also because of the baseball that is used and it, in this movie. And it also takes place around the same time period. Uh, yeah. Close. You know, around World War. The forties, the thirties, the forties. You know. I will. I will have a suggestion from that time period as well. 
Nice. All right. Uh, Olin sent in three. He sent in Scarface, uh, not the not Al Pacino one, but the 1932 version directed by Howard yep. Hawks. Um, Howard Hawks and, came up last week as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Paul Manny is a thinly disguised version of Capone. Uh, be warned to have the film pass the censors. There were some short, dull scenes not filmed by Hawks that were, uh, but knowing this going in, they could be easily ignored. So a little behind the scenes on that. Uh, he also suggested some like it hot. And Which I believe also has come up before. Um, yes, I do believe that has come up. Uh, and I had totally forgotten this. Apparently um, the whole reason they have to dress in drag and are on the run is because they're on the run from a gangster played by George Raft. And I, right. who is taken off of, uh, Capone, I had completely forgotten that that was the premise. Yep, <laughs> that's what he put. Uh, who, drag, was, so. who did George Raft play in Dick Tracy? Nobody. He's, oh, he says another film with George Raft. That was why I asked about it. <laughs> oh, I don't know why you wrote it like that. That's just how I wrote it. Well, uh, I think he means another film, comma, with George Raft as the leader of a Gary. I think he means because he's a, a Capone stand-in. I guess. I don't know. Well, and you also let us know what you meant. Uh, and then he also he also suggested the Untouchables uh, because we actually get Al Capone played yeah. by Robert De Niro. Um, Sean Connery won an Oscar with one of the contenders for the worst Irish accent. He's ever. <laughs> so, uh, and Jim Crumley he suggested Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman mumbling and bumbling through the part, and both the movies feature gambling. I did also mm-hmm. think a connection myself. So yep, good one. All right, Av, you go first with your connections. All right, I have four. Nice. Um, my uh, my first one is a movie that I suggested as my connection, not a connection, but it was on the very first episode of this podcast, and it was a blind spot. We had to give a blind blind spot was one of them, and my blind spot back then was Top Gun, which was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., the same writers as Dick Tracy. So that's my connection. After first you connection. just the screenplay, you want to go back to the same writers again? Well, I've never seen Top Gun, so oh, yeah. still. Well, you've got some time before the sequel, also. Yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. It's the same writers as Top Gun, so. Cool. There you go. Um, my second one is a movie I never heard of. I came across it during my research for this. Is a 1999 comedy called Dick. Um, so the yeah, connection yes. is the name. It yep. stars Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams. And- and it's a kind of like a comedic reimagining of the word date scandal. Yep. Mm. Uh, my third is one of the, you know, all time movie classics in history. Um, it takes place in a f- similar time period. I, it's, it's like early 40s and this is either the early 30s or late 30s. So it's close enough. Um, the uh, there was a scene in the movie where somebody uh, acted surprised that there was gambling going on. In, uh, in in the underground casino, yes. which reminded me of that. In addition, the main character in this movie, or not the main character, one of the main characters in this movie is the kid, which uh, referenced for me the one of the most fami- famous movie lines in history. Here's looking at you, kid. So obviously, uh, now my recommendation is Casablanca. It's my next. I was trying to figure it out. This was that was like one of those trivia questions where you get like a. A broad clue, uh, more specific right. clue, more specific clue. And like yeah, each that's clue I, is worth fewer points. And right, uh, that's I didn't how get I like the last. That's how I like to do my ladder. I, I like yeah. to like uh, give a little. I like to tease them out a little bit before I reveal. This is a and, movie that is a movie that you watch. 
<laughs> yeah. And then my fourth is um, another movie that I've never seen that was talked about a lot in the uh, analysis of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it is based on partially the life of Jay Sebring, the the hairdresser oh, that was yeah. that lived with uh, Sharon Tate. And this movie was written by and stars Warren Beatty. And it is set on the day that Richard Dick Nixon becomes president of the United States. Mm. And it is called Shampoo from 1975. I didn't oh, see, Shampoo see Shampoo. I, was... I have heard of it. Yeah, I saw it when I was looking at Warren Beatty movies earlier and I didn't nice. know anything about it. Yeah, it's, um, it's... I, I am shocked we don't have any crossover. I was expecting a couple movies for yeah. crossover. All right, cool. I like all of your picks. All, all of your dick picks. <laughs> Very nice. All right, who's next? Me? Yeah, right. you go next. All right, I'll go next. Uh, so, yes, uh, I have seven, but I'm not going to bring all seven, of course. I just always write down a lot. Um, but I, I think I'm going to down like three. 10 this week, actually, yeah. and I slowly start have been crossing them off as other people have mentioned them. So. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's what I do. And then I, I prioritize them based on what I really want to, what I really want to bring. So, um, for my first three, I went with an actor-director combo. I went with that idea. Um, so my first is actor-director combo with Warren Beatty once again. And this is about, uh, I don't know much about it, but it's about a guy running for mayor or uh, governor or some some political office. And the song Ghetto Superstar is featured very heavily in it. Yep. It's Bullworth. Bullworth. So, yep. uh, I've never seen it, but I remember when it came out. I think I had the yep. soundtrack. For it, but I never, uh, I never saw it, and I think you know we are in an election year, allegedly. So, really interesting uh, movie. Would be interesting to watch. My next one is another uh, actor-director combo that is even more connected to Dick Tracy because it won Best Picture that year, and that is Dances with Wolves. Uh, I don't really expect us to pick Dances with Wolves because it's supposed to be very long. We're uh, not picking Dances with Wolves. I've never seen it, so um, I've seen it. It's one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it a few times. Um, a few times. I, I'm good. Why would you see it again? It was one of my older brother's favorite movies growing up. So it was oh my god! It's, on it's like, like every other freaking weekend at our house. It's it was between that boring. and Empire of the Sun, and I've never seen that. Empire of the Sun is great. Um, that's, a, anyway. that's a Spielberg movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I believe Dance with Wolves is basically like Avatar, right? But without all the special yeah, effects. It is, and... it is Avatar. Yeah. All right. Well, no, uh, that's... so that's why, that's why I went with four, because I knew one of mine we definitely weren't picking. Um, so my next two, uh, we always talk about how we have too many movies in the 90s and 2000s. These both get us out of it. The next one is another actor, director, movie. It is a very colorful movie with lots of music in it. It is very fun. I've not seen it since I was in high school, and I've been wanting to revisit it for a long time. That is Singing in the Rain. So um, I'm assuming we've all seen Singing in the Rain before. Yep. Yeah, not since I was a kid, but yeah. Yeah. I figured you guys would have been more excited about Singing in the Rain. A little disappointed in you. So uh, we just watched the, see, the Singing in the Rain scene of A Clockwork Orange. Oh, right. yeah. Could. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my last is not an actor-director that I know of. I don't think it's an actor-director combo. Uh, oh, and Gene Kelly was the actor-director in Singing in the Rain, if I didn't say that. Um mm-hmm. And that is the 1960. Uh, well, before I say that, it is about a uh, a comic strip hero who has lots of villains that are all featured in the movie, and they are all ridiculous characters. Uh, that is the 1960s Batman movie. I thought about adding that, and yeah. I took it off earlier today. 67, Batman I think. Batman 67. Yep. Yeah. I've seen that. Bullworth is the only. Bullworth and Dance with Wolves are the only one. Nice job. 
fans. I also thought about Sin City, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Dark Day Afternoon. None of them. Yeah. Who I thought about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Rabbit was yeah. Obvious, yeah. It's yeah. very similar. It's, it's, and it's from like the year before, and it's, yeah, very similar. Yeah. So I have three with very specific connections. Um, so my first connection is a 1975 movie where Dustin Hoffman faces an interrogation scene, and that is the movie Marathon Man. Mm. Uh, my next movie is about a hero who wears a trench coat and is based off of a comic book, and the music for the movie was produced by Danny Elfman. That's the 1990s movie Dark Man, which stars... Uh, Not to be confused with Blank Man. Correct. Right. Not to be confused with Blank Man. And my third connection is a really fun movie that um, probably isn't going to get picked, but I wanted to throw it out there. And it's about a bunch of singing gangsters who also have a hidden casino. And that is the Rat Pack film with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., Robin and the Seven Hoods. Hmm. Is that Robin Hood? Nope, it is Robin and the Seven Hoods. Seven Robins, seven hoods. All right. <laughs> exactly. Seven Robins for seven hoods. Yes. So those are my three. Uh, just missing the cut were. Uh... <clears throat> Never mind. I won't go through those. We don't have time. Let's we'll go. do it later. <laughs> you will do it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So what we have. Yeah. What we have a quick rundown. Uh, we have Hook, A Bridge Too Far, A League of Their Own, Scarface, Some Like It Hot, The Untouchables. Rain Man, Top Gun, Dick, Casablanca, Shampoo, Bullworth, Dances with Wolves, Singing in the Rain, Batman the Movie, Marathon Man, Dark Man, Seven Robin, Seven Hoods. Robin and the Seven Hoods. Robin and the Seven Hoods. For <laughs> uh, All right, Brendan, you pick yours. So this is a movie coming in I didn't think I was going to pick because I liked all of the listener submissions. And I really wanted to pick Scarface from Owen. But I think I actually would rather watch Shampoo. Yeah. So Shampoo is going to be my pick from off. Not Dances with Wolves? Not Dances with Wolves. <laughs> so I, I also thought about Scarface. My problem is I've never seen like the famous Scarface. Right. Like, the Al Pacino Scarface. That actually is a more natural connection for this movie since it also has Al Pacino. <laughs> oh, so, that's cute. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. No, play. it's a great connection. I, I'm I was thinking, if somebody had, had had suggested Scarface, I would be willing to move forward as long as it was like we're gonna watch both of the Scarfaces because I'm not right. gonna watch the like the original and not watch the remake when the the remake is the famous one. Right. But I'm not gonna pick it anyways. But if if Brendan was gonna pick it, I was going to uh, lobby for let's just watch both and cover them watch together. Both. Yeah, and, oh, that would be interesting. Um, so you know, Zach could pick that if he wants. I am going to pick Bullworth which is a movie I have never seen and that I've heard very good things about. And I was supposed to watch last year mm -hmm. um, for our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode on There Will Be Pod. We were doing uh, movies about Hollywood and I had Bullworth on my list and I just never got to it. And I still uh, have been meaning to see it. So my pick will be Bullworth for the final three. Brennan, have you seen Bullworth? I have. Um, okay. It's I liked it. It's, it's, it's odd. It's an odd movie. Yeah. Um, and it's And it's on stars. Nice. Oh, nice. I think I need to cancel stars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm so bummed to be picking in the rain. All right. Uh, so for my pick, um, I think I'm going to throw Jeff a bone because I think it'd be fun to go to Hook. 
And uh, I've heard it's terrible, but Avi, you could watch it with your daughter. Yeah, I was and, thinking at least Hook I could watch with my kids. Is, is, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, okay. So we have uh, Hook, we have Bullworth, and what was Brendan's? Uh, established, but yeah. Shampoo. 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 All one-word titles this week. Yeah. Um, um, let me I'm, look at where... I'm fine with any of these three, really. Um, obviously, I'm fine with Shampoo because I suggested it, and I'm fine with Bullworth because I suggested it the second go around. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about Hook and Bullworth. Is I... My argument would be that I, I want to... I want to get away from the 90s, so I would say shampoo, but if you're not feeling shampoo and you're both feeling Bullworth, then we can go with Bullworth. I mean, I'm definitely good with shampoo. It's a movie I've been like wanting to see for close to a year now. Um, and I think oh, it has... Oh, it's Al Ashby. My brother would be really excited. Yeah, and I think Al it has Ashby. good connections. I mean, you know, written by Warren Beatty, starring Warren Beatty. It's about Rich Nick- Richard Nixon, whose nickname was Dick. Um... You know, I think it's on the Criterion out. channel right now as well. So nice um, for those of us that have access. And well, it definitely uh, mixes things up. It's a different type of movie than, you know, every movie, every movie um, that we've watched on this yeah. podcast so far. And we'll see if, uh, you know, if we go from tens of listeners to single digits of listeners because nobody's ever heard of shampoo, then we will know that experiment failed. But I think people will still watch shampoo. Um, well, at least I think the three people that are have been watching these will watch this, too. I think they will. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I right. think it'll be fun. Okay. I think it'll be fun, right. something different than something we've done before. So. Oh, and Carrie Fisher's in it. So we could do oh, a, nice. uh, we could watch any Star Wars movie next. Yeah. Oh. Or Austin Powers. She and Austin Powers? <laughs> yeah, she's the therapist. I do not remember that at all. I don't, I don't either. Yeah. I, Austin Powers is on the veto list until I finish Bond. Uh, uh, but yeah, okay. Shampoo it is. So uh, clean your hair. We're, we're watching Shampoo next week from 1967, starring Warren Beatty. I believe it's 67. It so is I don't straight- know who this is. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, sh- at the, uh, the poster for Shampoo now, and there's three people on it. The first, one in the middle is a man. It's Warren Beatty. There's one on the left, and I, I think that's Carrie Fisher. And then there's a woman on the right who I think looks like Emma Stone. But Goldie, Goldie Hawn is also in this. <laughs> oh, is that yeah, Goldie Hawn? Right. Is, is Emma Stone uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter? Uh, yeah. Who is Goldie Hawn? Someone is, is Emma Stone, is Goldie Hawn's daughter, right? Yeah, Kate Hudson. Is Kate, Kate Hudson is, yeah. Um, it is not from 1967. It's from 1975. Yeah. So, uh, as I My brother will definitely watch Shampoo because he's right. like the biggest Kale Ashby fan ever now. So, all right. Um, and I think it'll be good to do a comedy. Um, this will be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. All right, all right guys. All right. All right. I'm going to drop off, guys. Uh, enjoy the rest and looking forward to listening back to the end. All, all right. right. Av is taking off, but it's still going to be Brendan and I here for the remainder of this podcast. Uh, so, of course, we're watching Shampoo, which we will recap again. Um, so uh, now for something a little bit different. Brendan, what's the best thing you watched this week? So I rented a little movie. Well, I guess I didn't rent it because it's streaming for free on Netflix. But I caught up with a movie I've been meaning to catch up with for a few years. Um, and ever since I saw Parasite and realized it was... Um, Bong Joon-ho, I was like, okay, I definitely have to catch up with this movie. And I finally sat down and watched Snowpiercer. And Mm, it really hit close to home, given everything we're currently going through in our geopolitical society. It was, you know, if if anybody's not familiar with um, Snowpiercer, it's about a group of people that live on a post-apocalyptic rescue train 
that travels around the world after a post-apocalyptic event, and they decide that they are going to take over the train. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Things kind of go off the uh, rails, though, as it were. Um, but it's a it's a very enjoyable movie, but it's also very very dark. Um, it's got a great cast. Uh, yes. Tilda Swinton, uh, Chris Evans plays the hero. Uh, I had just watched Captain America the day before, so watching this after watching Captain America was quite the tonal shift. Um, but it was also like really enjoyable because of it, because I could see like why like I could see little pieces of Captain America popping out from Chris Evans during this. But um, yeah, really great cast. Um, Tilda Swinton. A uh, couple of people I don't want to spoil pop up in this. Um, Allison Pill, who we just got finished watching on Devs, is really fantastic. Oh, she was also on Star Trek Card this year. Uh, she's really fantastic in her small role she has in this. Um, John Hurt uh, from Alien, he's in it. Um, yeah, it's just it's a lot of it's. I wouldn't say it's fun, but it's worth your time if you have two hours and are interested in more of the works of Bong Joon-ho after Parasite. Um, Did you say it was on Netflix? It's on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, it's streaming on Netflix. There's also a TV show, I think on like TNT or Sci-Fi, they made a TV show version of this movie, which I haven't heard anything about. Yeah, I haven't heard anything, so yeah. Was that on your your ladder that you watch it? No, it wasn't part of my ladder. It was just individual. I, I needed something to watch, and Netflix said, you may like this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch this. And so I and watched they, The algorithm was right. Yeah, the algorithm finally got one right. Um, the only thing I'll say is that – or uh, what I will say also is that I believe all four of Bong Joon-ho's uh, big pictures are all on Netflix or a streaming service at this point. Um, Parasite's on Hulu. The host and uh, Okja and this are all on Netflix. So get he your also has one called Making a Murderer. Um, not yeah, Making yeah. a Murderer, but yeah, think, um, but Slash I, Film mentioned that the other the other week, and I had never heard of it, and it doesn't seem to be available anywhere. So. Yeah, I think it's the uh, it's the like hipster Bong Joon Ho choice. Now that people have yeah. seen everything else, so people are like, oh. Uh, and yeah, I think it's called Making a Murder. I, I can't find. Yeah, it right it's now, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed it's supposed to be good, but I've never seen it. So. Yeah, um, and then right. um, the oh, final season of Clone Wars, also on Disney Plus, has been really great. If people are into Star Wars, they might want to check it out. Uh, the finale aired last Friday, and it's a it's a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. So, yeah. There you go. So what are you what are you watching? Uh, so I didn't watch that many movies between our last podcast. Um, I also watched Captain America because Brennan and I are both yeah. following along with the post show recaps, Marvel uh, rewatch podcast. Uh, Captain America. Awesome. Probably was the best thing I watched this week, but I don't want to talk about Captain America. Um, so I watched two movies in my ladder and I feel like they, they connected so well. I kind of want to talk about both of them. So the first one I watched was the farewell, um, which I've actually I've been talking about farewell well recently um why i guess it's it's on amazon so maybe that's why we're talking about it but sorry i mentioned it last week when we were um when i was going through my epic week of watching five movies finally within within a week um so i i watched the farewell last week and that's when when it brought it up but it was fantastic yeah. jeff yeah. also said he watched the farewell this week as well so um and the farewell was uh, FI has been sending these emails every day with like a movie recommendation, and the farewell mm-hmm. was the recommendation for uh, one of the days this week. So, I watched the farewell. It's about a uh, it's about a family, and uh, 
I believe do they go back to China? Is that where? Believe that the grandma lives in China and she is yeah. uh, diagnosed with cancer, and so they they go back and like they have like a family reunion, but they don't want her to know that she's diagnosed with with cancer. Correct. Um, and so they decide to so, stay yeah, away. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's it's subtitled mostly, but there is some English. It, it actually has a lot of really good connections to Tiger Tail, which uh, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Tiger Tail is a new Netflix movie by Alan Yang. Uh, it's like an autobiographical movie, but so. Um, my my one really weird criticism of the farewell is there are some spots where the all white subtitles are layered over white items. So oh, like yeah. there's like a dining scene where the subtitle is over the plates and the plates are all white. So like you literally can't read the subtitles because it's all white. Uh, and it was just like very strange to me that they did it like that. Um, but I, I liked it. I liked the the story of the the wedding and just seeing like a family that hasn't seen each other in so long like come back together mm-hmm. and all their different like personalities and, and life choices colliding. Um, and it reminded me a lot of a movie I hadn't seen in a very long time. And that is called Rachel getting married. Um, have you seen, you've probably never seen this. Have I you? did see Rachel getting married. Um, oh, when did. I, when I was working in Pennsylvania at uh, the Allentown playhouse, we had an independent movie theater attached to it that we ran movies on every Friday and Saturday night and it was always independent movies and it was the year rachel getting married came out and that was one of the movies we chose um there yeah. was that connected in new york uh shay parts one and two movies like that so mm-hmm. i i did see rachel getting married yeah it is uh very stressful um, yeah it's like it's just like a, it's about a daughter who is getting out of rehab and you find out like piece by piece more about like what actually happened in their backstory as you watch the movie um and just like really tough family fights and family dynamics throughout, but I did feel like it, it painted, I mean, there were some things that were a little dramatized, but it did really paint like a, an actual, an accurate portrait of like a family dynamic and just like the fights you get into fa- with your family. And it, I also thought it was really great to see like, like the sisters would get in a huge fight about something. And then like the next minute they would just be like having fun doing something like, and it, it yeah. is like the way you are with your family. Like my brother and I, when we get together, we'll get in like a big fight about something and then immediately be like, watching a game together and having fun. That's just like, you know, yeah. families just have their exactly. ups and downs and it's not like a world ending when things happen. Um, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Re- absolute realism. I, I really appreciated it. Um, I remember it's liking filmed, it. It's filmed like not handheld, but basically like a handheld, like it's almost like a, a wedding video where the camera moves right. like with the people and it's not, it's not steady cam. Um, so yeah, that I thought it was, it was, you know, hard to watch. And uh, I, I definitely liked it. I, I'm, uh, I'm a fan. There was one thing that they did that I, I won't spoil. Maybe I'll tell you after we stop recording. That I, yeah. It just bothered me. I didn't think that they needed to do that with the story. They could have told the story the same way without yeah. this like sort of unrealistic thing happening. So um, nice. not fun. What, what do you got coming up later this week? Um, so uh, my next movie on my ladder, I was trying to figure out what it is. My brother recommended Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Um, and I think that does kind of tie in with Rachel getting married because it's about like families meeting for the first time Mm -hmm. and Rachel getting married was a multicultural wedding as well. So, um, and there are race dynamics obviously is like the plot of guess who's coming to guess who's coming to dinner. So I think I'm going to watch that next. It's my plan and hopefully some bond. How about you? I have, uh, the great Gatsby coming up, uh, connected to midnight in Paris on my, uh, movie ladder that's coming up this week. And then, I don't know what else I'm going to watch. I'll find something. I'm, I'm still working my way through Shit's Creek, so that's good fun, but it's not much of a binge because I'm only watching a couple episodes a week. Um, 
that's kind of how I am with The Wire. Yeah. I'm on season four of The Wire, and I just can't watch too many episodes in a row. Mostly because I'm like trying to savor it, but also because they're like so dense, I need to like really right. be be willing to pay attention when I watch it and like have my phone down. So yeah. Um, if, if I if I if I would have less podcasts to listen to, I'd be watching a lot more shows. But yeah, every time I start to watch an episode of TV, I'm like, yeah, but I have like 15 podcasts in my feed that I need to right. listen to. We're not helping with so, that problem. Although, although for both of us, I think the podcast should slow down a little bit once Survivor ends next. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of which, uh, you know, we're two weeks away from the two-hour, three-hour finale. That's going to be exciting. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I've been hosting a lot of trivia, obviously. So yeah. um, one thing that's going to be really fun is tomorrow night. So probably tonight for you people who are uh, just downloading this. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time, I am hosting an all Oscars movie uh, trivia. And it'll be through Spork Alive. So if you go to sporkalive.com slash virtual, um, you'll be able to pull up all the trivia events coming up. I'm hosting trivia with them all the time, basically like multiple days a week. Um, but tomorrow is going to be all theme. So if you're a big Oscar movies fan, you can play individually, you can play with a team, you can get teams from different places together and be in like a breakout room together. So nice. uh, it's a lot of fun. And there are still, as of right now, there are still spots to join. So that will be my, that will be my Wednesday night before I watch Survivor. Yeah. Nice. Um, before you came on, we were talking about Av and I were spending a lot of time talking about Survivor. We were waiting for you to get connected. And Av is like binging through all these se- old seasons of Survivor. And he keeps saying he's not going to watch all the seasons, but he's, he's going to watch all watch. the seasons. I mean, uh, so he, at some he, point, I was like, Yeah, I was like, Av, when you finish watching Survivor, I'm like, we should just do a two hour Survivor podcast and you can just talk about like what I you found out fun. watching. Yeah. yeah. So at some point, uh, we might do a bonus podcast on this feed of That's Survivor really podcast, like Survivor uh, talk with Av. So yeah. before, um, yeah, that's, that's all I really got going on. Just, um, the usual post-show recap stuff has been rolling along. Uh, Captain America, as you mentioned earlier, is dropping later this week, which, um, I worked on the show notes this morning and yesterday for, and it's just, I think you guys are in for a treat. If you decide to check it out, it's going to be a really fun one. I think it's going to be our best one yet. So yeah, uh, you stay, can check stay me out inside and listen to podcasts. That's good. Yeah. Cool. At Post Show Recaps, at Fitzy Brendan on Twitter, uh, Brentfitz11 on Letterboxd, and that's about it for me. Yeah, and you can find me at BrooksZA on all platforms. You can find Av uh, at Asinensky. Um, I'm not sure which episode of Curve they're up to. They just released the Trick or Treat episode, which is the uh, Bald Asshole Larry episode of the Curb Enthusiasm podcast. They released it like Sunday, so they were very late recording that. Usually they recorded earlier. Um, so I don't know. I can't remember what season two episode they're up to next. I need to watch it. So, um, yeah. Uh, and I know there will be pod. They are either just released an episode or they're going to be releasing an episode. They on. did just release an episode yesterday on bad education and some other movies they've been watching lately. Um, it's a good, uh, it's a good hour long chat and just catching up on what they've been watching for the last couple of weeks. So, and a good review of the uh, HBO movie Bad Education, which yeah, I did I watch, watch this that. week and I didn't mention. It's it, Bad Education is a pretty good movie. Um, I mean, it's it's not like the best movie of the year, but it's a, it's a solid movie. Um, it is based on the performances alone, currently number one in my 2020 movies. But Ooh. that's also because there's not a lot else that's come out this year that I've seen. Right. So I think um, I think my number one is The Invisible Man or uh, 
My, oh, I think Tiger Tail surpassed it. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's I, don't, I don't like the Bad Education, the poster for Bad Education, or like the, uh, the art for it is like it's like a Dutch, it's like a weird Dutch angle with them in the corner, and I just like really hate the the poster for it. Yeah, so I'm like judging you're, a you're not a big fan of the Dutch angle thing. So. No, it's just distracting. You know? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, and then uh, the, uh, then, this, then the poster for Memento must really bug the crap out of you because the picture is weird, and then he's also at a weird angle and. No, because it looks like a Polaroid. So I like that poster from Montana. <laughs> you know, that's that's at least like makes sense. Like I think that's a fine poster. Um, Dick Tracy though, all time great poster. Yeah, so, fantastic. I would love to have that one on my wall. I think that would be a good one to frame to put up yeah, behind you. Definitely. I, I think of like, have you been watching the Michael Jordan documentary at all? Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, yeah, that's so that's been very good. Uh, episode five was like my favorite that we've had so far. Yeah, but whenever they have interviews so with Mike Wilbon. Oh yeah, uh, and like all the all the just the stuff that they cover with the shoes and the gambling. You know, yeah, everything. and the the assembly um, of the dream. Whenever they show Mike, really good and... yes. Uh, whenever they show Mike Wilbon, he has a Raiders of the Lost Ark poster behind him, and I'm just like, oh, it's just like he just has like good movie posters framed behind yeah. him. So definitely. Uh, yeah. So all right, I think that's it. Oh, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down on the Westworld finale? Uh, I'll give it a thumbs, a, a moderate thumbs up. Not a, not a thumb all the way up, but thumb like up to chest level, but not like raising my thumb all yeah. the way. I, I liked it at the, I liked fine. it when I watched it. It's a, it's, I feel like it's a setup episode and that's not really what you want for a finale. Right. <laughs> like it's just I, like, oh, here's a setup for the season that's not coming back for like two and a half years. Yeah, I think if it was the series finale, I would have liked it more. But knowing that there's three more seasons coming... It bothered the crap out of me. Yeah. Well, I just like the way they ended yeah. it. It just uh, was like, well, this obviously doesn't mean anything because there's three more seasons coming. And I was right. like, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, that that's my general thought on Westworld. But you know, I'm, I I like it for what it is. It's a it's kind yeah. of like some of the Christopher Nolan movies where it's just like a yeah. flaw. Like if you think too hard about it, that's just too flawed. But if you right. just if you just enjoy it for what it is, it's like well, whatever. It's just like a mystery box shit. Show. you know for a show that's all about mysteries it the fact that they showed shots from the tra- in the trailer from the mm-hmm. finale it's like unforgivable big pet peeve yeah big pet peeve um i i would also say that part of my feelings about this show and the reception of the final season are probably impacted by another show that dealt with a lot of the same um issues as this season of westworld did and that was devs which i thought uh, did in a much better and cooler way than this show, than this season of television, but at the same time, that's not really like, you know, the makers of Westworld's fault. Like they didn't right. know, you know. Also, so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't I really feel like against them. You know? I don't feel like devs stuck the landing either. So um, right, devs did it. It did a little bit better, either, but it, but I thought the messaging it, throughout the season was more consistent. Devs and, yeah, dev, devs hand the character motivations at least made sense. Yeah, in devs. Yeah. Uh, devs hand waved a whole bunch of stories. That's also it, true. Yeah, which I, is what Westworld I feel like did too. Uh, I think a good comparison to like season three of Westworld is like some of the later seasons of Game of Thrones, where they just kind of throw logic and character motivation out the window, and they're like, "Well, we need uh, we need character A to be at point B right. at this point." And because so, like, well, we, they did this, and so but that's make yeah, because they needed to be there, and it just didn't make any sense. So, um, I have been oh. watching Upload on amazon also which again is another show that deals with uh living in a simulation it's about a guy who dies and goes to like a virtual afterlife in the like it takes place in the 2030s um 
Sounds like so. the good place. It, it gets a lot of comparisons <laughs> to the good place. Um, it's made by Greg Daniels, I believe, which yeah. I think he worked on Office. Um, and it's funny-ish. I wouldn't say it's like I don't really laugh when I'm watching it, but it has some like some of the social commentary is good, but some of the jokes I'm just like, oh, I can see that coming from like around the corner. So, yeah. but it's it's short episodes. It's on Amazon. Especially as shows start drying up, like I don't think you could think you could do worse than watching Upload, spending a couple hours. Yeah, watching that. it's really funny. Um, I was listening to an interview with Greg Daniels, and he said that basically him, Mike Schur, and I don't remember the third writer's name, who all worked on The Office and a couple other shows together, basically had a Saturday where they just sat around and wrote, like each wrote a spec script and like motivated the, the other, but none of them told them what the script was about huh. and now it turns out that all three of them were like shows based in the afterlife <laughs> one of them was the good place one of them was upload and i don't know what the third one is because it hasn't gone into development yet but he was like none of us knew that that's what we were doing but we all had the same general concept and so i thought that was really funny like, yeah you know. the good place is definitely better than upload if you're looking for Very a nice. show if you're looking for a show to watch yeah watch it you know People are going to need content, so. For sure. For sure. All right. I, I well, think we I think we've rambled. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah, I think we have. It's been a good long while here. Yeah. Um, so, I going to have a lot to listen to when he comes back. Uh, let us know of the new format. I think we prefer putting the what we've been watching up top, but uh, putting it at the end makes it just a little bit easier for Av to dip out once we finish the ladder because he has, like, parental duties and right. you know, he's got to be a Being good dad, whereas, like, Bre- Brennan and I have to like just move on to our next podcast like uh <laughs> you know quarantining without kids versus quarantining with kids very different so indeed indeed um uh yes uh if you forgot because we've been talking for a while our movie next week is going to be shampoo it stars warren Beatty, and it is about a uh, richard nick and his name was dick which ties into mm-hmm. dick tracy so yeah and uh, we will see you next week for Shampoo. I don't even know what music to play for our outro, so it might just be the trailer. Sure unless All I right, take care. Something. Maybe Swish Splash, I was taking a bath. All right, maybe All I'll right. find that. Take yep. care of yourselves, guys. See you next week. All right. Yeah.